way past my bedtime. It's after 10. That's Karim. Hello. And he runs a podcast called Welcome, and I'm about to be interviewed at 10 o'clock at night. What secrets I will tell. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Hey, my name is Erica M. I used to be that girl on Much Music. Then I became the mom of two kids. Then I launched Yummy Mummy, which turned into Yummy Mummy Club, which turned into YMC. And now I run YMC and Co, which is a marketing agency, which is laser focused on the mom market. Thanks so much for coming in, Erica. Was that a good description? That was amazing. <laughs> you, did, you did a great job talking you. about yourself. That was wonderful. It's weird. It's always yeah. weird talking about yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I find that. That's why I, I can't do this just by myself. You know, like I've heard, you know, one of the stations I'll listen to is, um, is The Fan here in Toronto, 590. And sometimes there's no guest on and it'll just be someone speaking. And... I can't do that. I, I just can't speak out loud uh, to the air. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to speak to someone. Mm-hmm. Or better yet, uh, I like listening to people speak. I like that too, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll have a battle here because I want to hear more of you <laughs> than I want to hear of me. And, and nobody, you know, of, of the dozen or so people that might listen to this, they're, they're not listening because I'm here. They're, sure. They're, they're listening because of other people. Um, so again, I really appreciate you coming here. Um, I won't take up so much of your time. Uh, we'll either stay here until the sun comes up or until you fall asleep. So that we, sounds like a plan. Whichever one, <laughs> whichever one comes first. Um, one of the things I'm, that I'm really curious about is your last name. And uh, I've, I always find it interesting. I know in Toronto radio, there there's a lot of... Uh, uh, on-air personalities, and I've, I've come to find out that the names that I know them by, sometimes it's not the real name. Yeah, well, my name was changed because when I worked at City TV, I was booking all the entertainment. Okay. So I got press releases and phone calls all day long. I want Jeannie Becker. I want J.D. Roberts. I want yeah. all the different um, reporters to come and cover our stories. So they would have to send me all these press releases because, remember, there was no email back then. And I'd have to read my last name out to them because it was long. Yeah. And so I decided to change it. Actually, I stole the idea from my sister because she came up with it, EHM, which was Ah. my mother's initials, Evelyn Hannon Mikowski. Okay. And so, basically, I still have my family's last name or family's name. It's just... In a different way, different wow. configuration. Okay, so no one came to you and said, listen, Eric, if you want to nope. make it in the business. No, it was in fact the opposite. Because when I went to my boss and I wanted, said I wanted to change my name, he was upset. Oh, okay. And, uh, and which boss was it? At which Moses. Case? Okay. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, he wanted me to keep my last name. And I said, yeah, but think about it. It's like M from Moses, from Much Music. He goes, all right, you can keep it. <laughs> Yeah, because I know there was, there was a lot of um, um, a lot of ethnic res- representation on on much music on city TV, and I, I think that's one of the things that attracted a lot of people, you know, in Toronto at least, uh, or really in Canada to 
to that brand was mm -hmm. there was people on there that looked like them. That's right. Well, that was the brilliance of Moses, mm -hmm. and that is how he has redefined broadcasting, really, yeah. is that he brought people who don't look like uh, puppets mm -hmm. or, um, sure. or typical white, mm -hmm. uh, middle-class, blonde, blue-eyed people onto our TV screens. And uh, he brought people who represent the city that we live in. And in my case, represented the country I live in. Yeah. So for me, I certainly did not look like a typical cute girl. I'm <laughs> fully ethnic. Yeah. Um, but he liked the fact that I had attitude and that I loved the music business and I was in it. Yeah. And that's what he was looking for. He likes, he was looking for people who are the real thing. What attract, I'm, I'm curious, like what attracted you to initially, um, most people in Canada know you or first heard of you, uh, through much music, mm -hmm. but, um, you grew up in Montreal? I grew up in Montreal, yeah. Yeah. And, and what what attracted you to music? Was your family musicians? Were they in the music scene? I'm curious about that. Just love music. My parents and my uncle owned a summer camp. Okay. So I grew up around teenagers from the time I was probably six. Okay. Our house was um, the camp office. Oh. And then I would spend all summer with teenagers mm -hmm. and there's lots of music that was played all the time yeah. and I was I guess exposed to a lot of music and sort of counterculture when I was very young mm -hmm. and then as I became a teenager like everyone's into music man come yeah. on Karim <laughs> like everybody loves music and I just did something about it most people just talked about it or yeah. listened to it and I actually did something nice. about it and your first, so I, I did a little bit of research. Or my, my nice, good to hear that. My research team did the research. You yourself uh, and I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big team. Yeah. Yeah, great people though. Um, C H O M, Chom FM. Chom FM. Chom FM in Montreal. Mm -hmm. uh, what were you doing there? What, what, what was your responsibilities there? So I got a job when I was seventeen mm -hmm. um, as music librarian. So that was while I worked at school. Okay. I went there after school every day, and I would file the records. Wow. Yeah, B-52s. Which they don't do era. anymore. <laughs> no, there are. There's nothing. Yeah. There's no anything to file. <laughs> now, what's what's a music library? Like, you're filing stuff? Like, I don't understand that. What, I was in the... I was in the room where all the albums were kept. Okay. So whenever there were new albums that were brought in from the different record companies, mm -hmm. someone had to put them in the right place. Ah. That was my job. Alphabetical order by yep. genre or? I think it was alphabetical, I yeah. guess. I remember the room. I don't really remember how they were filed. I'm imagining it yeah. was pretty standard. And my job was just to file records and then... I was able to learn about the music business. They let me in. They thought I was uh, an eager kid. Sure. Um, I had organized a, uh, a contest at my school at the time mm -hmm. to win a concert with Max Webster. Wow. We didn't win the concert, so I decided to rebel, and instead we had a parade. I organized a parade from my school to Shom FM, and we closed down the street <laughs> that show was on and they said who's in charge and everybody said Erica so I was invited to go upstairs and to be interviewed on the radio yeah. that was really thrilling when you're 17 obviously I can imagine and then uh, a few months later I saw his name is Rob Braid 
I saw the program director at a Cars concert. And I went up to him and I said, hey, do you remember me? I'm Erica. I'm the girl you interviewed a while ago from Marinopolis College. And uh, I said, could I have a job? And he <laughs> said, come and see me tomorrow and I'll, we'll talk about it. Wow. So I did. I went to his office and my girlfriends all said, don't go. He's going to rape you. Oh, my goodness. Because, you know, they thought what kind of grown man would want to speak to a 17-year-old girl yeah. and talk to her professionally. But he did. Yeah. And he said, I can't hire you because you're still in school, mm -hmm. but you can be my music librarian. Mm -hmm. I can't pay you. Yeah. All you're going to do is, you know, do all that record sure. organizing, but you get to be in the station and you get to meet all the people and you get to watch how bands are interviewed. And that was a start. Wow. And, and how often would you be in the radio station? I would be there probably five to seven days a week. Wow. Well, I mean, right why wouldn't school. I be? I can imagine. That'd be it's amazing. the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to, to be on air? At no. That no? Okay. No. And when I asked for a full-time job, when I had finished my school, mm -hmm. I went to the uh, the head of the head guy. Not the guy who hired me, but the head of the station. I asked him for a full-time job, and he said no. And I asked him why, and he said, because I was a distraction to the men. <laughs> So my mom was going to fucking punch him in the face wow. because that's pretty much illegal. Yeah. That would be sexist and yeah, yeah. absolutely inappropriate. Yeah. Um, happily, um, he was quickly fired. I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. yeah. And I went on to go on to much music. So life yeah. worked out well there for both of us. Tell me about your mom. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm asking because... Um, you know, I read a couple of interviews, and, and, you, and you always speak about your mother. What, what sort of influence was she? What kind of lady is she? Um, my mother is probably the biggest influence in my life. She's, mm -hmm. uh, very, she's a really powerful person in the sense that she goes for what she wants to do and makes things happen. She's uh, very kind. Mm -hmm. Don't fuck with her. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you put those words <laughs> <after> each other. <laughs> She's really smart. Yeah. Uh, she, well, she when she got divorced, mm -hmm. she was in her mid-40s, she put on a backpack, started traveling around the world. I was already about 20 at the time, okay. so she didn't have to take care of me and my sister. Yeah, yeah. And um, she decided that she was going to start a fanzine for travel, and she became what people say one of the first travel bloggers in the world oh, wow. because she decided after doing this fanzine so she was printing out magazines and selling them at bookstores across around toronto that she would start a website now this is like 1994 there yeah. were no websites at the time wow so yeah. my crazy mom when she was <laughs> probably i think in her late 40s started a website time magazine called her one of the most innovative thinkers in travel Wow. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. Yeah. So she has more Twitter followers than me. <laughs> that would be cool. So her name is Evelyn Hannon. Okay. And her handle is at Journey Woman. That sounds familiar. Yeah, she's like, she's she's a cool dude. And uh, she's 76 now and she still travels. Still blogging. And, uh, still? She's blogging. She's tweeting. She's Instagramming. She's Facebooking. Uh, she has a newsletter with like sixty to eighty thousand people, wow. and she does it all herself. 
Wow. So that's why she's awesome. That's amazing. That's a great inspiration. And whenever I'm doing something of note, winning an award or something, my mom is always there. Yeah. Yeah. Still to this day. To this day. Wow. That's fantastic. She even writes for Yummy Mummy Club. Okay. She has um, a blog that she writes about um, called Aging Disgracefully. So she talks, Aging disgracefully. She talks a little bit about being grandmother and okay. just being an older woman. And mm-hmm. yeah, she's really interesting. Nice. I You did something in, it might have been the Torontoist maybe, or um, one of these online Toronto-centric um, onla- online magazines. And you talked a bit about aging gracefully or the, the whole process of aging, you know, you know, Especially someone who's been in the public, mm-hmm. you know, since you were very, very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you don't, there doesn't seem to be regret. It seems like you, you always embrace that. There's, there's, there's that uh, idea of embracing where you are in the, in the life mm-hmm. stages that you are in. It. And the way that you talk about your mother seems like uh, you, you, you might have got some of that. I did get it all from her. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I'm... I'm one of those people that has grown up in the public eye. Yeah. So when people look at me, they go, well, you look, you look the same, but you, how come you have so many wrinkles? It's like, because I'm 55, buddy. <laughs> this is what 55 looks like. I can't believe you're 55. I know, wow. but I am. Yeah. I am. Um, but I don't do Botox and I, mm-hmm. I don't play the game. I think yeah, that yeah. This, whole, this whole thing about looking young is, is a big con mm-hmm. that... The fashion beauty industry has us, you know, spending so much money, um, putting poisons in our faces mm-hmm. and cutting our skin to, to try and look old. But it yeah. catches up to you and you start to look like a freak. Yeah. So at this point in my life, mm-hmm. I'm just embracing my aging and uh, I am trying to age disgracefully, just like my mom. And what does that mean? Well, it just means I'm not going to start doing things that a typically like a typical person 55 you might think sure might do so for example a lot of people who are 55 or older now really are not comfortable in social media or they're not Ah, they don't listen to music the same way or you know they just sort of they're retiring in life and i'm still inspired by life Nice. So it's a, I think it's really all in your head, isn't it? Aging is in your head. Yes, totally agree with mm-hmm. that. Totally agree. Um, your next stop, and and correct me if I'm wrong, if there's a stop in between, but Musi Musi Plus. Am I pronouncing it? I'm gonna. You're totally butchering? wrong. Oh jeez. <laughs> so what you're saying is not Music Plus because yeah. Music Plus was um, the French version of Much Music. Okay. So what you're talking about is Musa Video. Music Video. And Musa Video happened sorry, when I was 17, when I was working at Shoma FM. Um, one of the DJs there knew that I was obviously crazy about music. Yeah. And I was DJing in clubs at the same time. I was sort of like a new wave punk DJ. No way. And, Did you um, have a stage name? Yeah, Erica. No, it's okay. just Erica. <laughs> okay, all right. Erica. Okay. I wanted to be Susie Sue from Susie and the Banshees. Um, and so he said, we're doing this TV show on yeah. cable TV called Muse Video. It's where we interview bands and play music. This was before there were music videos. This was in, I think, 1979. Oh, my it goodness. Was, it was before there was MTV. Of course. And so you saw it on, on YouTube. Someone, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Richard Burrell, actually, the guy who I was co-hosting with, was one of the DJs from Shome, and he okay. put a couple of episodes on uh, up on YouTube, so it was fun to see. Yeah. So I was I've been into this since I was 17, 18 years old, and DJing, managing bands, working in record stores, working in clubs—that's been my life. Is there is there a band, you know, while you were doing uh, uh, music video? Um, that re- had recently started at that time. Yeah. That is huge. It was U two, really. U two started. U uh, two um, when I was DJing in a club called um, Blues in Montreal on Crescent Street. I was also DJing in another place called the um, uh, Club Montreal. Okay. And another club called Broadway Live. So Broadway Live. Um, Madness played there, and the wow. Go-Go's played there, and I was a DJ. Wow. So the guys from Madness slept at my house one night. My parents were not happy. Um, <laughs> when I was at Blues, my boyfriend was the manager. We were both like 18 or 19. He was the manager of Le Club Montréal, and a band called U2 was playing. Now, I knew them because... They were playing live. Yeah. It was their first time playing in Canada, and I already had a bunch of their... I had their album, Boy, and a bunch of their singles because I was DJ. Yeah. So I got all the imports before they came in. Wow. And uh, it was crazy because they played, and I I loved them from the first time I heard them, and I went up to them. I I was allowed to go to their sound check, and I hung out with them. My goodness. And I said, oh, my God, I love your music so much, and... Bono said, you should be in PR. And I said, well, I'm going to go to university next year. And so I went to Ottawa University. Okay. But he said to me, come to another show. So I actually drove the next night. Mm-hmm. I borrowed my mom's car and I drove to Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was working at Sam the Record Man at the time as well during the day. And I drove to Ottawa and I hung out with them and they played at Barry Moore's. And then after the show, I drove back to, tr- to Montreal from Ottawa. And I slept in, and I got fired from Sam the Record Man. For sleeping in? Yeah. <laughs> but fair, since then, I've enough. seen you two a bunch of times, and I've, I, haven't, I hung out with them in um, Toronto. I drove once from Montreal to Toronto, and I had their manager's name and number. He gave it to me, so I called them, and they said, Paul there's McGinnis, tickets. Right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I had tickets and went backstage, and I, dro- I drove them around in, my, in a car. Jeez! I know. It was... It was a long time ago. That was like in 1982. And then I moved to, to Toronto in 85. Uh, what was it about their music that, like, did you know they were going to be like massive or did you think, yeah, they'll be pretty good? I love them because I'm not a bad girl in life. I'm actually, I don't okay. fit the world of rock and roll because I'm actually terribly nice, too nice. <laughs> so like, punk music I love this feeling of it but when people are mean it bugs me okay and U2 was a peaceful band that sang about God and the world being a better place and innocence so I related to the quality of their lyrics Mm -hmm. but they rocked out at the same time so they were my band they were my people wow I'm curious I I didn't know until later, and I think, you know, I really got into them, and then I, I bought a couple of books. Um, and I, I know Bono for sure, and I can't remember who else. Were Born Again Christians? Mm. No, I don't think they're Born Again. They're just Christians. Okay, okay. 
They're uh, just like really religious dudes. Yeah. All of them? Yeah. Wow. And did they... I'm curious if, if they ever... Was there any conversations about that? About faith or religion in, 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 in the cars or in the... Um, no, they were just no? having fun at yeah? the time. But okay. they were... But they were such... They were really nice people. Yeah. Absolutely. That's really, really cool. They didn't disappoint. Yeah. Well, tell, tell me more about the show, Music Video. Well, I, I, I think I did it for maybe like eight months. Okay. I was 17. Yeah. Talked about music that I loved. So at the time, it was like Elvis Costello and Susie and the Banshees and The Jam and U2. And mm-hmm. that's what I was into. And it's sweet when I look back at those videos... I see someone who was just passionate about music and wanted to connect with other people and and share my opinions and meet other people who were into music. That was my life. One of the things I noticed, um, and I didn't watch a, a ton of videos, but one of the things I noticed, especially from uh, the music video uh, clip that I saw, is that you were very comfortable in front of, like on television. Uh, there was no like what I'm doing now with the ums and the ahs and things like that. Uh, there, there was a lot of uh, innocence and energy in your voice, and you were just a matter of fact, and you would just speak. Did you get any training or? or <laughs> no. What was there? I'm curious. Like, no, what, I did it sucked. all just come, come on, Trim. I no, no, I'm serious. Sucked. I sucked, and I learned in front of the country, and um, but I think that. Really, when people are their true selves and are authentic, it's endearing. Hmm. And I think it's people who try to be something that they're not will fail miserably because they look uncomfortable. But I really never pretended to be anything other than I was. And I still don't. I'm still really me. Hmm. So that you, you fumble less when you are yourself, I think. Yeah. When you went to uh, the University of Ottawa... Uh, did you think, okay, that's it for the music? Let me go to school. Let me get a real job. No, up. no. All I did was I wrote papers about the music business. So wow. I was in um, communications, and my teacher let me wrote, write an, a paper on how to get a hit single. And um, the school want, let me use their um, – they had a recording studio in the uh-huh. basement. It was a four-track. They didn't have a teacher, so they let me – teach myself how to use a four track wow because i wanted to be a music producer okay so uh and i went to new york and i tracked down steve lillywhite who was u2's producer uh-huh. simple minds etc and i i went to talk to him and said come on you hire me for a job and that didn't work out too well because he tried to sure. date me instead <laughs> <laughs> no um but yeah that was i just wanted the music business so that that um I would say that university was, in many ways, an inconvenience where uh, I spent two years and a bit getting my degree so that I could get into the music business. Okay. And you figured maybe you didn't need that, or I guess it provided you with some good experience with, it was that, awesome. with the studio. It stuff. was, well, not really, I guess. I mean, I learned how to use four-track, but yeah. four-tracks don't get you far in the actual music business. Fair, fair, fair. But I just, I think that university just makes you a little smarter. You have okay. to learn how to write. And when did you come to Toronto? Was it for the City TV gig? Yeah, 1980... Oh, I, I moved here in 1982. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a job answering the phones for the new music. Okay, that, and that's where the name change. Yeah. Name change happened. Was there anything in between you graduating and coming to Toronto? Or? No, it was like the next day. Yeah, and you knew, like, this is where things were happening. This was it. New music was the hippest show 
almost in the world about music. And who hosted that show? Well, at the time it was J.D. Roberts and Jimmy yes. Becker, and then Daniel Richler took over, and uh, Lori Brown was one of the hosts, uh-huh. Denise Donlin, and uh, Strombo was one of the hosts. Oh wow! Yeah, so it was it was the ultimate right, music, music show, and then ultim- and then afterwards, we got the license for Much Music after. So New Music was a predecessor of Much Music. Okay, and. Tell You're me. not a music dude, I could tell, because I'm telling these stories and you're like, oh, it's before my time. It's interesting. It you're was, hearing the history. like Yeah, because I, I never, well, see, I, I remember much music starting, uh, but it was, it was it, you know what, because I was thinking about this over the past little while. Um, I'm old enough to, to have remembered much music starting. Um, you know, I, I do remember... Uh, Toronto Rocks mm-hmm. uh, being on. Okay. Um, but I was never, it, it was never something, and I know a lot of people um, were, were much different than I, but there was a lot of people that, that it was almost like a religion. It was whatever, was it Friday nights that came on? I can't remember. Toronto Rocks at least. Um, where they would watch and they would consume and they would keep up with things and they would know what was going on. Um, heck, I mean, I remember getting the yellow... Uh, bare naked ladies cassette, and it wasn't a big deal to me, you know, back back in the day. Um, and so I never uh, music was was a part of my life because uh, my parents were the window to music for me. Mm. So I got into music listening to uh, people like Roger Whittaker, um, and, and 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 music like that. I remember in grade five. Uh, being exposed to Simon and Garfunkel, um, I think one of the first songs, rocks, to me it was rock. Um, songs that I ever listened to was in grade five, uh, like I think it was called "Like a Rock" uh, by Simon and Garfunkel, and I just loved that. Um, but it wasn't something where, you know, allowance money was spent on mm-hmm. on records or CDs or cassettes. What was it spent on? Um, I never did get allowance. <laughs> You know, I mean, we, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know if we were middle class or lower middle class um, or just lower class. You know, I guess when you're a kid, it's it's not something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, you know, CFTR uh, was, you know, before, you know, everyone listening to CFTR now listens to it for music and weather. Sorry, uh, weather and news and traffic. Um, But I remember when it was, um, you know, top 40 radio station. We didn't have an FM radio, so. Uh, Chum FM wasn't in my vocabulary mm-hmm. as apparently they were one of the, if not the, rock stations in all of North America, uh, from what I understand. I uh, guess I came after that, really. Yeah. So I never really listened to the radio because I was, I was the in, radio. You were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I don't like it's just recently that I'll go to garage sales and look for records mm. or any town that I'll go to, I'll, I'll find out where the coolest record store is. And it pains me because I'm one of those people that will spend money on other people, but will say, ah, I don't need that record today. I don't need that now. Yeah. And uh, I, now I love going to record stores and I love looking at all of the Neil Young records uh, that I don't have, but I know the songs. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm a music fan. I'm a fan of music, uh, but very recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of these things... Um, you know, growing up, you know, so, you know, when you were on Much Music, I, you know, everyone knew Much Music, 
And so I knew some of the, the VJs, we called them then. But, you know, I would never go to um, Electric Circus on Friday nights or whenever that was or, or watch it religiously um, or know who all of these people were. It, it just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't me back mm-hmm. then, you know. Um, but anyways, so when you say some of these names or you say some of these TV shows, there there's a memory of them. But it's not like, oh, I remember when they did this. I remember when they did that. It's, it's no clue. Right. Uh, you know, to, to me, um, when you one of your um, associates at Much Music uh, who wrote that book recently, The History. Christopher Ward. Christopher Ward. So I went to uh, that show that they did um, on uh, that theater on College Street. Uh, the book release, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a friend invited me out there. Um, and I remembered some of the people that he brought up on stage and some of the people that he talked about, but other stories that the whole audience seemed to know what was happening. I'm like, <laughs> I have no clue, but it's kind of cool being here. Yeah. You know, so, so that, that was me. Um, tell me about um, how you approached Moses and got on Much Music. Well, I'd been working there for three years, answering the phones. Mm-hmm. And while I was working there full-time, I started working at the local cable company full-time in the evenings. Okay. And so I basically had two jobs. Wow. And uh, What were you doing at the cable company? I was hosting entertainment shows for ah, them. Okay, okay. And I made a demo tape, and I gave it to the bosses. Yeah. And after three years... They gave me the job. Okay. So that was in 1985. So much had been on for a couple of years now? It had been on for one year. One year, okay. So I was on, or maybe eight months, I think, it'd been live. Yeah. Then they brought me on. And it was like full-time here. You're in front of the camera. Here's yep. your... Here's your. It was sink or swim, baby. Yeah. Go. And was there... I'm, I, I don't remember that time, but were you, were you hosting a particular show, or was it a time slot? The way it worked is that we all had um, four-hour shifts. Okay. So either you were 12 to 4 or 4 to 8. And it was like, like a waitress or any kind of shift. You just uh-huh. had your, they had the schedule posted a week in, event, in advance, and you mm-hmm. knew when you were working and showed up, did your shift, got out of there. Did you get to play videos that you wanted, or was everything scheduled? Uh, back then? It was all scheduled. Okay. However, the people who scheduled knew my taste. Ah. So they would throw in a few videos, like a YouTube video for yes. me or things like that. <laughs> Um, so everybody sort of had a bit of a flavor of their personalities, but mostly there was a very stringent playlist. Do you remember your first interview, the first band uh, musician that you interviewed? Uh, the first big one was Duran Duran. Okay. And that was, um, that people still talk about it. It was, it was a very kooky interview. Okay. You, you could find it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, I interviewed them again uh, just this year. They came back. Oh, that's and, right. And uh, I did something I thought, which was pretty interesting, considering that interview a lot of people talked about back then. Yeah. Um, so I contacted their manager and said, I run this online magazine for women called YMC or YMC.ca. And um, I said, I want to recreate what we did yeah. 25 years yeah. ago. And so they they let me and E now go backstage, and okay. we did a Facebook Live, like probably one of the first Facebook Lives that Facebook Live had. Yeah, brought my iPad backstage. Yeah, and or side stage, and we we had a really kooky half an hour with those guys, and it was so funny because the guys from E now were there, or E Talk, or both yeah. of them, or one of them, 
and they came with like three cameras and sound equipment and all kinds of hosts. Yeah. And um, for us, it was me and my girlfriend with an iPad and uh, half an hour with the band. It was fun. Wow. Yeah, it was good. So tell me about the original interview. Like, what was what was so uh, uh, quirky about that one? It was just... Were you nervous? Were they yeah, I was curious nervous. who you were? Or? I was nervous. Yeah? Uh, but th- they were just very playful. And Simon Le Bon, who was a lead singer, mm-hmm. just kept on looking me in the eye just to see if I was okay with them okay. being so sort of crazy. Okay, okay, okay. And... It was great. Made yeah. great TV, and that's what interviews are all about, right? Nice. It's entertainment. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And then they came back a second time. And we did it again. All right, nice, nice. Yeah. And do you have a the worst interview or an interview that you did that either you said, "Oh man, I messed up," or that guest musician was just an a hole? Or well, I'm sure I messed up many interviews, <laughs> and I'm sure there are many people who, uh, the six people who are listening to this right now, yeah. will probably say that they have many interviews that they hated yeah. that I did. For me, I think that the most disappointing was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Because they were, they were kind of rude, not just to me, but just in the way they were speaking, they're swearing a lot, etc. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we'd go and cut to break, they'd go, oh, is that okay? Like, are we being too much? Like, should we pull back a little bit? Yeah. So they were phony. Mm, so They're putting on an act. Yeah. They were yeah, putting yeah. on the, we're so cool on camera. And then as soon as the cameras shut off, they yeah. were all apologetic and, you know, polite. And then mm-hmm. we'd go back on. Yeah. So that was probably my least favorite interview just because they tried to make me look bad. Ah. Uh. On camera and then off camera, they were sucking up to me. So what is it? What is it, guys? Who who are you really? Who? <laughs> what are we going to do now moving forward? Um, I want to get I, – I, I think I've got a couple of questions from, uh, from Facebook. Um, so I want to go quickly there and see uh, if we have – I think we have a couple. So let me just quickly scroll down here. And ask you that. Okay, so here we go. So, question in no particular order. Yep. Uh, this one's from my brother. Okay. So he's he asks, when you left when you left much music, why did you take all the music videos with you? <laughs> so, of course, he's saying that tongue in cheek. Um, uh, well, I have a, actually a good answer. Okay. Is that the world has changed? Technology mm-hmm. has changed. Um, business changes. The company changed hands. Yeah. Moses left, and CTV took it over. And CTV doesn't have passion; they just have money, and mm. so they lost the soul of much music. Yeah, the whole soul of it was that it wasn't about money; it was about counterculture and actually having a strong point of view and being unique and authentic. And CTV's whole philosophy of TV is not that; it's Stars, big stars, big budgets. Mm-hmm. So it's the antithesis of what Much Music was built on. Yeah, um, and also you can see the videos on YouTube. So that's true. It's not. It's a different era now. Yeah, people are consuming uh, a, a lot differently now. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're so right. You're right because my son will, he'll he'll know that everything and almost almost everything is available on YouTube, whether it's TV shows or, or funny clips um, or music. 
But I think that there's a, a downside to this, and hmm. I wrote a, um, an article on our website about this, where I do think that this Netflix generation, YouTube generation, mm-hmm. um, they don't have that muscle of restraint. They expect everything to happen tomorrow, or, sorry, not tomorrow, yeah. now. Yeah. They don't wait. Like, for us, when an album would come out or when a TV show would come out, we'd have to wait a week. Yeah. And now people expect things to happen at that moment. People's patience, people's, um, their attention span, it's all shrinking mm-hmm. because things are so in demand and on demand. And I, I kind of feel bad for um, kids today and I worry about them because they don't have that muscle of learning to be patient. So when you're growing up in Montreal, YouTube releases, um, I guess you got a lot of early releases, but when you wanted something, you'd, you'd go to the record store, the neighborhood record store, the yeah, city but record it's, store. It, doesn't, it would have to would have to get flown there it would have to cross the ocean yeah. if it was an if it was an album and so you'd read about it in the enemy or yeah one of the uh, trade papers and mm-hmm. you'd count the days till it would come over here and then you would have it but it wasn't instantaneous How, do you talk to your kids about any of this sure of course yeah. what My do kids they say? are awesome do they say they go, oh, mom they go, mom <laughs> someone's snapping me i can't talk now <laughs> it's not funny it's true no, I, absolutely, <laughs> I can I can see that yeah. for sure. Um, I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on the music industry. Very quickly, um, it, it's changed a whole bunch. I have to be frank with you. Yeah. I don't actually give a shit about the music industry. Okay, okay. Um, when I left it in '94, approximately '94, '95, I was writing songs. I put out a bunch of albums, won a bunch of Juno songwriting awards. Um, And that was sort of the end of my involvement in the music world. I lost interest, really. Um, And I had kids and got involved in uh, the world of parenting and started websites and social media, became really interested in social media um, and uh, writing, publishing, um, marketing, I, I lost interest in... Priorities in, changing, yeah. so lifestyle changes. And I think and that stuff. that's part of the evolution of a person, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is you find different things that will appeal to you in different times of your life. And uh, with music business, I felt I had taken it as far as I can, I could. And mm-hmm. I, it just, I think, for the most part, the people who are most passionate about music are usually younger. Yeah. Because it's, it's music... That usually captures what you're feeling when you're younger. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is anger or isolation, regret. I think when you get a little older, you're figuring some of that out. And what I started to do with my website and my I, this community of moms is to speak to women in a different way and to build community for them. Yeah. And to have discussions about things that matter to women with kids. Mm-hmm. That's what's more interesting for me now. Yeah. Why did you leave much? I was done, buddy. Yeah? I'd been there. <laughs> I was there for 13 years of my life. 13? Mm-hmm. I was there for 13. Wow. Three years before I went on air, and then yeah. 10 years on air. And it was an amazing place to work. I can imagine. But I had grown up there. Yeah. And you need to... Time to grow up and move on. Y- and That's right. And, and uh, I wanted to explore and see what else I could do. And 
in um, the world of, uh, of music or publishing. I'd written a book. I, I just wanted to explore and test myself. You've done a lot of things, yeah, I, I was, and it, which shocked me because I did not know this at all. Um, like you said, you've written books. Um, you've, you've written songs uh, for other people. You've, like you said, you've won awards. Uh, I was shocked to hear that you won country music mm-hmm. awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I, I do remember this, you wearing a black cap on Much Music hosting, like the heavy metal show, I think it was. Right. Um, so when I, when I read that country music, this is you know, phenomenal. This is really crazy. Um, t- tell me about that, going from... You know, talking about music, interviewing some of the uh, uh, the biggest indie bands or bands coming up to some of the biggest rock stars, uh, you know, Sting, U2, and so on, uh, to, to writing music. That's that's a very different muscle or very an different. Extension? But I don't like just talking. I like doing. Yeah. I like making things. Mm-hmm. So for me, the art of writing is. Um, how I express myself. Uh-huh. So I express myself songwriting or writing books or writing a website or doing social media. That's how I express myself. Mm-hmm. Kind of an introvert. I like to make stuff. Yeah. But I don't like, you know, like, for example, you know, we all had, we all got together, like, was it last yeah. month, right? Mm-hmm. You and I and a bunch of people yeah. and a lot of people I didn't know. And I am not good in crowds. I get pretty shy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, an extrovert here I could talk forever because sure. it's just you and I yeah absolutely so I think it, more of an artist okay. and um, when I was on Much Music think about it it was just me talking yeah. to really one person that's when I looked through the camera it was just me and you having a conversation mm-hmm. but uh, being at parties and loud and it's never been me how, how was it and, and I guess you know I can understand from a creative from an artist perspective but going from you know pop star musicians to then writing musicals for families uh, yeah, that was amazing. Well, you see, if you look at my life, what I do is I find what I'm into at my stage of life and I turn it into a career mm-hmm. so I just work at doing things that I love. so when I had my kids, um, no one wanted to hire me because I was fat and old, really. That's what happens hmm. to women when they have kids, right? And okay. particularly women in the entertainment world. Hmm. You, have, you become a mom. It's becoming cool to be a mom now, but it wasn't when I had my kids. So I just, again, immersed myself into the world of parenting and uh, found the people who did Tanglewood Productions. And they were producing shows for like Caillou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I ended up writing the stage show for Caillou and for Big Comfy Comfy Couch. So I partnered with these other guys and we wrote the songs together and I wrote the whole script for them for the stage show. It was great. Nice. Um, I want to go back to Moses. Um, Definitely a visionary, uh, a media media visionary for sure. Um, How was he as a boss? I'm very curious about that. Um, I didn't really deal with him very much. He was hands off. He was on the second. Oh no, he was very hands on. Okay, but, but more with the bosses. Mm-hmm. But he picked everyone. Yeah, that was his. He had a very strong vision, and uh, he he cast much music and city TV 
um, by picking people who he thought would reflect um, his city or the mm -hmm. country. And uh, I think that was a huge part of his brilliance. He's all about keeping it real. In fact, he came up with the idea of not being in a newsroom against a green screen. You know that, right? Like yeah. He came up with the, the idea of... The hosts were sitting on, on, desks. Like on top of desks. In not, the newsroom. Not, not behind a desk. Right. Yeah. yeah, just anywhere. Um, that was him. And also, even before that, the idea of sound on tape. So before, when you would watch the news, there wouldn't be any sound on the video. And he brought the sound up. So you actually had the sound in the background of things ah. going on. So just to try to keep it as real as if you as were possible. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. His career is, is I don't want to say similar, but, but how it's gone from, uh, you know, running a hip operation. Yep. Um, to now um, running, oh my goodness, what is it called? It just slipped my Zoomer. mind. Zoomer. It's Zoomer Radio. Thing. It's just, it's community for a yeah. certain demographic. But he's got, similar to you, yep. you've gone from that to yep. focusing on the, the, the mommy demographic. Yeah. Um, you know, I see that as a very similar, very similar sort, sort of thing. Do you guys keep in touch at all? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> I saw him, um, we both were in Calgary about five years ago uh -huh. on a talk show. And not together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we laughed because we said, oh, yeah, similar. Interesting. Um, Yummy Mummy Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started as a blog? It started as a TV show. TV show, okay. Um, it was called Yummy Mummy. I came up with the idea for the show. Uh-huh. And I co-produced it. I wrote it. I hosted it. And it lasted two years okay. on what was then Life Network. Okay. Picked up by Discovery Health, uh, syndicated around the world. It's wow. still running. Somewhere. Really? Mm hmm We did it for two years. Um, I did the show when my daughter was just born. Mm hmm So I did it about 13 years ago for a couple of years. And when the wow. show was over, that's right, 11 years ago, um, I wasn't done. I really felt strongly that women needed to hear that they that they don't need to be moms 100% mm -hmm. that they should be you know this thing of guilt okay. of us not having a life mm. of always being there for our kids being and like never... a, the soccer mom there's more to life than just a soccer yeah. mom sort of thing. okay yeah and also like when I had my son I didn't know what to do right away it didn't come naturally to me okay and I felt like the worst mom and then I started talking to other women and I realized oh a lot of other women feel the same way and mm -hmm. none of us would talk about it and so that was my plan was to build a platform where we can speak truthfully about the realities of being parents yeah because it's hard it's sure. really it's a hard uh, thing so that um really seemed to connect with a lot of people and it grew it's one of the largest online magazines or platforms communities for mm -hmm. parents in Canada and from that grew a marketing agency yeah and how how did that come about did were brands coming to you and saying hey you see what you're doing can so and so get involved Actually, they didn't come to me. They um, PR companies came to me all the time saying, hey, can you talk about this? Can you talk about that? And I was like, aren't you getting paid to do that? Because <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. But I had this idea. I was thinking, you know, I have this large audience. Mm -hmm. And I have a roster 
of very talented writers and there's so many brands out there that are trying to connect with moms so I reached out to the brands and said why don't you let us tell your story let us integrate your brand into our storytelling hmm. so about eight years ago I started what was called I at the time nothing yeah but now it's called branded content or integrated okay, okay. content okay yeah yeah and I would say I'm one of the first people to do it and then a lot of the other magazines who are continue to die are now doing what I was doing years mm -hmm. and years ago mm -hmm. where where do you think media is going nowadays oh I don't even I don't even know where it's going um, I think that's the problem is that it's like we're eating ourselves it's moving so quickly that you can't even catch your breath right now I don't think everybody is looking for the next thing yeah. And now it's Mastodon, whatever the hell that is, right? I mean, I, no. It's new social media. It's new. Uh, it's They're like the new Twitter. <laughs> and it they just keep on coming, right? And everybody is looking. Where do we spend our dollars? Is it on Instagram? Is it Snapchat? Well, now there's, there's you know, Insta stories on Facebook. And now there's Insta stories on Instagram. And Snapchat is competing with Instagram. And which audience? And what demographic? And who's where? And what? And mm -hmm. it's... For people who are in the marketing world, it's they want to just tear their hair out. Yeah. And that's where we're going, is nobody knows what's going on because people are looking for the next thing. The next thing. I think it's a, it's kind of a, a weird world because I think on one hand, it's all about being real and authentic. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's all superficial, scarily superficial. Instagram... Instagrammed um, with all the filters. Yeah. Everything's filtered. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other crazy people who are committing murders live on Facebook. That was nuts. So there's the two extremes yeah. of how social media is um, affecting our lives. As a so I, I'm I'm a parent of an 11 year old, and you have two children yourself. Yeah. Um, how do you? What do you talk to them about when it comes to? their activities online, you know, social media and, and how to behave. I'm, I'm curious about the discussions you have with your kids. Well, I have a lot of them because I'm in it. Yeah. Luckily, I work in that industry. Mm -hmm. So um, my son will not let me follow him on Snapchat. Okay. I actually don't get Snapchat. My daughter's on it all the time. Uh-huh. Um, but I have a lot of discussions about psycho killers and people who lure kids mm -hmm. and I tell them about, you know, men who pretend to be, you know, 10 year old girls mm. and that they'll woo you to be friends or in my son's case, teenage girls. So I've, I hopefully have scared the shit out of them. <laughs> um, I was told a long time ago when my kids were born that parenting is, is really all about teaching your kids to make the right choices when you're not around. That's what a, that's that's all a parent's job is. Yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to arm my kids with as much information as possible about the potential downfall or the potential pitfalls of social media. With my daughter, it's a lot about not bullying, but the um, the illusion of perfection, mm, body image, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and. Um, you know, the idea that, you know, people take 
you know, 20 pictures and post one. She goes, oh, that picture is so beautiful. It's like, Jesse, take a look at it. It's, she took so many, you could tell, like it's so many different angles and it's so photoshopped. There's so many filters on it. She doesn't really look like that. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, you know, we talk about that kind of stuff. My son is a little less um, taken with it. He was initially, but now he, I, I find that he uses social media really just as a form of communication. Sure. Much like we use the phone. Okay. So, so he's chatting with his friends via Snapchat. Yeah, but it, or, it's okay. not, he, it doesn't seem like he's in like, it, it, he's, he really only snaps with people that he knows. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to meet new people. Yeah. So I'm actually not that worried about him. I'm not actually worried about my daughter, mm-hmm. but I'm more, I'm, I want to watch more. Also, she's younger. So okay. this is like her first year of really immersing herself in social media. Mm-hmm. But I do think she needs to be able to do it because that's the future. Yeah. You have to know how to talk the language. You know how to protect yourself. You have to know about the realities of it. Mm-hmm. As, as you were building Yummy Mummy Club and the Facebooks of the world, Twitter, and so on, started coming about. Um, how how important has that been for your business and your brand to really embrace and understand these platforms? When I jumped on Twitter, which was probably, I think, seven years ago now. Yeah. Um, that was, I don't know if you know Scott Stratton. Uh-huh, but yeah, yeah. he jumped on, I think, like eight months before me or something, and we became friends at that time. Okay. Um I would say Twitter changed my life. In what way? Um, I met a whole new group of people. Okay. Joe. Yeah. Joanne, Mm -hmm. Wallace, Scott. Mm -hmm. I met um, a whole new audience for my website. Okay. I found all my staff on Twitter. Wow. I found my writers. I met people who are my good friends. I would say it pretty much changed my life twitter that is back then wild today twitter does nothing for me twitter is there's no conversation it's just more like um it's changed a lot eh? yeah it's it's not made for conversations anymore um facebook is more of the place where i have conversations with people Mm -hmm. sort of instagram a little bit yeah i'm more and more uncomfortable in the world of social media myself tired of talking about myself yeah and I find that everybody is screaming for attention. Mm-hmm. I don't like to scream for attention. Yeah. I find it very uncomfortable. So I'm, I'm, you know, in the olden days, I would have picked up my phone and tweeted this out. Yeah, yeah. I don't really give a shit right now. Yeah, yeah. And um, although I will promote the show, I promise Thank you. I will. Thank you. <laughs> but no one's going to listen. Yeah that's, yeah. the That's the difference is that. At the other, at, you know, years ago when I would have done that, people said, "Oh, that's cool. When's it on?" or something. Now it's You're like so tr- it's so now true. it's crickets. It's, it's just not the same. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Twitter. I can't thank Twitter enough because <laughs> it changed my life, but um, and grew my business. Now it's um, now it's much more of a. It's it's just congested. Yeah. Right. It's everybody is doing it. So before I, I kind of owned, owned the space mm-hmm. and now everybody's in there with me. So the, the sandbox is much more crowded. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so true. I remember having conversations with people on Twitter, people and people you wouldn't know 
um, right at first. Um, well, they say that Facebook are the people who you al- is for the people you already know, yeah, or the friends you already know, and uh, Twitter are for the friends you're going to have. Yeah, but not anymore. No. I think it used to be that way. Yeah, it's so true because it, uh, Lori Dillon, yeah, uh, Shulk, met on Twitter um, as I was, you know, starting starting a consultancy, working out of a Starbucks. I would tweet about the coffees we were getting. And she just pops into a conversation. And then a few months later, we just bumped into each other. Uh, and after 10 minutes, figured out who each other was. And, and now we're, we're, we're good buddies. Well, it's funny because when I first went on Twitter, I remember meeting this girl. Um, her Twitter handle was Erin Mills. Yeah, er, her, her handle was Erin Mills. Yeah. And a bunch of uh, moms and I, women... We met on Twitter, and we decided to have a surprise party for we had ne- none of us had met in real life. Okay, but it was so, one of uh, one of the birthdays of one of the women, so we were going to have a surprise party. And um, I was talking to to Erin Mills, and we were chatting away. And she goes, "By the way, my name isn't Erin Mills; it's Natalie. I just live on Erin Mills." Oh wow! <laughs> and I like it was so funny because I thought that was her name. Oh wow! We're still friends today. <laughs> Uh, hi, Natalie. Do you but, still call? I was going to ask. Do you still call her Erin? No, now? but I remember. I always, <laughs> I, I always think about her because um, I thought that was like a such a of the moment kind of thing where you don't even know people's names. I only knew their Twitter handles. That's right. And I think people use their names now, right? I think is that. Um, I don't know. I don't the, even know. The, the non trolls do. Right. Uh, the, the trolls seem to use See, the that's weirdest what, names. That's what has ruined it. Yeah. Uh, at least for me, mm-hmm. is that even if you have an opinion now, which yeah. is fun to have an Fair. opinion, yeah, yeah, you can't have an opinion because they fly at you like rabid wasps and start attacking you. And it's just like, what is it? This is not a conversation anymore. No. So I think that um, Twitter, the the powers that be at Twitter, I think that they um, they really failed hmm. when they didn't have a an opportunity to uh, kick out the trolls yeah. early on and in the name of free speech mm-hmm. yes. I think they've yes. right now it's Twitter's an ugly place to be it used to be the happy place yes. it used to be my happy place yeah. not so much anymore yeah I can see that I can see that for Facebook sure. is still good and now it's more of a pay to play Oh, and business-wise, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, they're fuckers, man. They are just <laughs> fuckers. Tell me how you really feel, no, they're Erica. fuckers. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have to say. And it's it. they're fuckers because I know that, uh, for example, the our website, mm-hmm. so ymc.ca, has really fantastic content for moms. For sure. And one of the means through which you get to find that content is through your your Facebook feed. Mm -hmm. And those fuckers at Facebook (laughs) have throttled us so much that women who want to see that content can't even see it. Hmm. That's crazy. And instead, there's like lots of crap in your feed. There is. Lots and lots of crap. There is. And half the stuff is not even relevant. Of course. You know. 
Yeah. A lot of the paid stuff is not relevant to me. No, why, it's why paid. I, why am I seeing this? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So as a content creator, as a publisher, it yeah. is definitely frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I don't own their platform. No. That's, they own it. Yeah. That's theirs. I'm on their, I'm like in their living room. So they make the rules. True. They're still fuckers. <laughs> Fair enough. I can, under- I can understand that. Um, you went from music to focusing on parenting and moms. Um, are you open to another type of a journey, a, a different direction? Well, I should probably. Um, I'm open to anything, quite frankly. Yeah. Sure. I would say that I'm an opportunist. Okay. I never know when I'm going to get an email or a phone call. Mm-hmm from someone who says, hey, Erica, I have this idea. Do you want to do it with me? Yeah. Could happen. Or something will strike me. and I'll go, you know, this needs to be done. Yeah. Retirement is not a word. No, I don't think, no, I don't think retirement would suit me. I'm, you know, everybody has a word to describe themselves. Sure, sure. My word is industrious. Okay. I just like to be doing stuff, making Mm -hmm. stuff, building stuff, doing stuff. Yeah. So retirement, I think, will just make me sad, really. Sure. What's your word? I don't have a word. I have a... I don't... I I haven't thought about that. It's more about what would I like to be doing if I had the financial means Mm. and the time. And? And so I think that I would be like... I'd love to do this from anywhere. And be able to go all over the place, enjoy different cultures, uh, enjoy different foods, uh, enjoy different architecture, peoples, um, and just sit down with people, uh, press record on whatever technology it is at that day, uh, and just capture a a very interesting conversation uh, to share with everybody else. Well, I think in order to be a good interviewer, you have to be naturally curious. Yeah. So you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. Um, I see, I see you've had some sort of a graduation in your life. You've gone from a minivan to now a sports car. Yes. (laughs) I never really understood until the last week how much your stuff reflects your stage in life. Okay. So particularly in this case, cars. Yeah. If I look at the cars that I have, they really did say a lot about where I was in my stage of life. And I had a minivan for the last 13 years. Mm -hmm. And I just went, fuck it. (laughs) And I just, I got rid of the minivan last week. And I bought myself a yellow little sports car. Look at you. My son is getting his license in, I think he said today, 19 days. Yeah. And my daughter is all on the TTC. Yeah. So my days of chaperoning the kids around in the car are fewer. I still do. Sure. But we don't need a big minivan anymore. So, and my husband has one. He has a business called the League of Rock. Yeah. And so they have a lot of music equipment that has to be in the minivan. So he has a big. He's got his minivan. He's got a big thing. Um, it's not as nice as my car, that's for no. sure. <laughs> so, what kind of a yellow sports car is this? 
Well, it's right at the probably right at the window there. We'll have to take a picture later. It's an Audi S3 wow. technique. Yeah. Very nice. Now, would, would Erica M. of uh, 17, 18 years old ever thought that she'd be driving a minivan? A minivan? Oh, God, no. No way. I never thought I would get married. <laughs> because, like, I'm a feminist bitch. I'm bossy. Yeah. I never expected a man to take care of me. Mm. Uh, I like to do things my way. Yeah. I like to work. I'm not girly. I don't like to mess around. Mm-hmm. I'm not your typical mom. Yeah. And uh, yet I became one twice. <laughs> and I have a fantastic husband yeah. who gets me and lets me be who I am. And and he he's, you know, a full 50% parent mm-hmm. and doesn't expect me to do it alone. Yeah. So that's why it's worked. Uh, I got married late in life because most of the men that I dated, I don't know. I think that, I think they, they just couldn't, I don't even know what. Anyway, <laughs> there's many theories that one has. But they were never the right one. They were not the right yeah, ones. Yeah. And, um, but my husband is. Yeah. It's nice. We're, we're a good team. Do you have... Uh, do you ever have the opportunity, um, whether it's one or one-on-one or an inner group? You know, you, you talked about being a feminist, um, and obviously you have been, you know, in front of the camera, in, in, in the public eye, uh, in media, and now you ha- you have your own uh, agency. Uh, do you ever talk to women about women in media? And you know, you've already told a couple of stories uh, in, in the past hour about you know, how men have treated you mm. in terms of, you know, you can't work here because you distract the men or going to New York and looking for a producer and wanting help producing music, but rather him thinking he just wanted to date you. Um, do you talk to women? What do you talk to them about? I, I'm pretty open. I'm an open book. So if yeah. anyone asks me questions, I'll just start talking. Yeah. Uh, do people ask me questions about that? Mm-hmm. Not very often. Okay. I would say that YMC is quite feminist, Mm -hmm. but very understated about it. Where you wouldn't know that we're like, it's not like Jezebel or so. It's not Mm. like one of those. It seems to be just like an online space for moms, but all the people who run it are very strong women with very strong points of view. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and I think that I've paved the way for a lot of women yeah. just by having done what I've done. Yeah. What, do you have any thoughts about, um, I've, I've had a lot of women in here um, who have been or are in media, um, and, and a lot of them have different answers in terms of how they deal with it or what their thoughts are about it. Um, you know, you're not necessarily in the public eye as, as, you, as you once wore. So I don't know whether you deal with that anymore. Maybe you do. Oh, I do. Yeah. I could tell you a story. So this was just recent. Um, what is it called? It wasn't the Copa Awards. It was the Digi Awards. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was nominated for Di- I, meaning my company, yeah. was nominated for a Digi Award. Okay. For best um, online 
branded content. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. This was a program that we did in conjunction with pediatric pain researchers. Okay. And we created a new type of knowledge translation for um, health researchers to disseminate information to end users. Mm -hmm. We had like 150 million impressions and were able to track change of behavior based on this campaign that we built. So we're out at the awards. Yeah. I'm sitting like in the second row with Dr. Chambers, mm -hmm. my colleague, who was my partner in this government grant to do this research. And um, this guy comes out on stage and he starts talking about how he used to have a big crush on me when he, when he was in high school or when he was younger. And he says, yeah, I used to masturbate to Erica M. Uh. So imagine, mm -hmm. he said that in front of my peers. Mm -hmm. He said that on the night that I was being honored for the work that I've done helping children in pediatric pain yeah. and being a pioneer in social media knowledge translation. Mm -hmm. Nobody remembered that, but they remembered that line that he said. Mm. It was disgusting. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that, yeah, I still deal with it. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to, to young women, whether it's it's how to deal with trolls on social media or women that want to be in the public eye because they want to go into TV or radio or, or things like that? Uh, I guess don't sleep your way to the top. So I would say don't ever be bullied. Don't let yourself be bullied. Mm -hmm. And there's so many women now who are in powers of position, that positions of power, yeah. I'm getting tired now, um, that you can always reach out to. Um, and social media... And speak out mm -hmm. um, because it's just not okay. And there's more and more men who are like you, enlightened, but there's an equal number of men who I don't know how they, they just don't understand that women are as good as, as good as or better than men in most ways. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess women intimidate men really is what it is mm -hmm. and so men have to put women down so that they feel bigger yeah. in order to make someone feel no in order to make yourself feel big you have to make other people feel small yeah that's a sad state mm -hmm. yeah but listen i know uh, you've got family stuff yeah to take care of my daughter's texting me yeah erica thank you so much for coming in my pleasure it's a great conversation <laughs>